acceptance, connection, transcendence. Welcome to the Seeker's Quest Podcast with your host, Vedasar, Chaitanya Charan, and Radha Priti. Welcome, everybody, to the Seeker's Quest. We have a special surprise for everyone today. Uh, we have Gorvani Prabhu here with us. Um, unfortunately, we couldn't line up our time zones with CC and Veda, so we we just get one of them at a time. And now we have our, our guest host, Gorvani. So welcome, Gorvani. How are you? I'm very happy to be here. Good morning to all of you. Thanks for... Uh, inviting me in. I am grateful to spend this time uh, with Radha and with Veda and with all of you guys. What a pleasure. Hmm. Great. Gauravani is, for those of you who don't know, I think most of you probably do, he is, um, well, somebody recently told me the Kirtan Acharya of our age. <laughs> Gauravani is, Gauravani is, um, a lot of things. One one is uh, great at Kirtan. And if you haven't checked him out, he's uh, he's been in several bands, the Hanuman, uh, Kindred Spirits. You can find him just under his name, Gorvani, all these on Spotify. Um, but yeah, and I recently just started working with Gorvani more. And uh, it has been really exciting, <laughs> actually. You know, when you called me to ask... Uh, about working together, I was excited just because I knew I know your music and I love your music. And I was like, I would love to work with him. But the more I get to know you, the more I see so much more than than a musician, even though, you know, you're an incredible musician. But Gorvani is so connected, so intelligent, so insightful, and so just like caring and nurturing. He's such a Vaishnav that I've just so appreciated getting to know Gorvani and having him in my life. So, I am an aspiring Vaishnav. <laughs> that is true, <laughs> and always happy to be surrounded by other Vaishnavs and other lovers of the Lord, as George Harrison says, "Lovers of the Lord." Yeah, it's been great, and Radha's uh, very talented, and and uh, in all the ways that I'm not, she's good. So it's very interesting to see our energies align. I'm really. Um, praying for empowerment in everything we do. Same. It's very fun. I love the explosive, explosive creative energy. I told Gorvani Veda, I love the the explosions, and then I love like trying to organize it, like take the chaos and try to organize it into um, something that's. Uh, It'll be one of your life's great challenges. That's the job, at the least. <laughs> But isn't that the job of science to try and make sense of uh, the chaos in the world? Well, because there is no chaos. Yeah. Veda just took us right in there. Boom. <laughs> and I love Gora because because he's like he's got this. It looks like an apparent chaos, but you know he's fully under the control of uh, Krishna's. Mercy that just Krishna's external flowing, energy <laughs> flowing through this man. Yeah, it's interesting for me to be, you know, 
always observing how Krishna gives each of us like certain opportunities, you could say, certain um, skills or gifts or opportunities. And, you know, it's always easy to say, but even when people are really in alignment, they even see their challenges as opportunities, you know, handcrafted opportunities. But, uh, yeah, in my case, creativity, ideas, it's like my space, you know, it's where I live, you know, in the realm of possibility, in the realm of new perspectives and ideas and creativity. And, and I'm, and I'm blessed to know that I'm not the source. That's one thing that I've always had no trouble being aware of. I think maybe some people, you know, maybe in their thing, they think I'm really good at business. I've got skills. I'm doing this. This is my thing. You know, I'm always kind of like, how is this all happening? Where is this all coming from? Like, boy, am I lucky? You know, that's kind of been my perspective. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I just said that to you yesterday, Gorvani. I'm like, I, I'm really good at this. And <laughs> no, I mean it's nice. <laughs> no, I'm not calling anyone out. It's nice when people are confident and know who they are, and and you know, and and have a strength of. I I was actually thinking about you this morning, Rod. I was thinking that it's nice to feel. I I wish I had more of it. You know, kind of self confidence to say, hey, like I can do this. This thing that needs to be done, I've got the skills and I can do this. I have no trouble. No trouble. But um, I didn't mean it like that. I meant it's nice to to be able to rest into that grace and know that these things that you have at your disposal are not yours and they're coming from another source. Mm. Yeah. It's not only nice, it's like a relief almost, totally. you know, because we could like appreciate them and use them in service. But then if for whatever reason, they don't, you know, sometimes you're not as smart as you think you are. You could just kind of let it go. And it doesn't have to mean anything about you or yourself or your abilities. It's just like, oh, okay, well, that was a fun ride. And now, now it's not, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or it's like in material world, when you have like a really solid skill and you're kind of, then you become known for that. And then you become like, then you you become successful and then you get attached to the success and then you get afraid that the success is going to go away. And it's like That's right. <laughs> That's right. I was just hearing a podcast yesterday with a very famous author and I don't, you know, I'm not going to get into the details cause it's a totally kind of different conversation, but she was basically saying, luckily for me, I was never attached to being famous. And so it was never, for me, the idea of losing my fame was never a fear because I never was interested in being famous in the first place. But like you're saying, for some people, their whole identity is tied up with this construct. Right, yeah. Veda? What's your identity, Veda? <laughs> I'm a lost soul in this, <laughs> in this material world trying to find, a, find some shelter. But you know, it's so funny that every time I speak to Goro, this this man is like, he just lifts everybody up. You know, no matter where you are, if you're in the ditch, he, he knows how to lift you up. And he's got all the tools in his kit to lift people up. That's one of his things. And, and every time I, I, I think of that and I just think, 
how in the material world, you know, we have this revealed knowledge and realized knowledge. And it seems like I often think about this different three layers of knowledge, how we learn from the books and we read them. It, it, okay, it makes sense. But then when we start applying them and we have our own realizations and eventually we become so surrendered and such accepting of life, then these deep revelations start to come. And every time I speak with Gora, I feel like from somewhere this deep realizations and revelations, it seems like it's, it's, it's way past the book knowledge phase, you know? So this is what I was thinking every time I... So it's good that he came on because I thought we should discuss this. This is so cool. You know, it's actually uh, not true. I'm I'm a very neophyte devotee in in most ways. But there is there are kind of two things that I have that have been just such a source of energy or shakti for me in my relations with other devotees. One is that in my teens, you know, I really kind of tried to explore the material world with no limitations. I was just basically like told myself, you may have been raised as a devotee, but there are no limitations. You can do whatever you want. This whole world is wide open. And so I just tried to explore everything and anything that I had any interest in. And um, it's brought me to a place of appreciation for the devotees of the Lord as how special they are in this vast world. That there are so many kinds of people But even an aspiring devotee of the Lord is so incredibly rare and valuable. So that's one thing. The other thing that is always an asset for me. Well, and then I should also say, and that has brought me also a lot of empathy because I suffered in the material world and I saw people suffering in the material world. And to recognize that there's another place to be in the shelter of the devotees. So this is one thing that's always been a great tool, if you're talking about tools in my toolkit, empathy and appreciation for the devotees. And the second thing is um, recognizing, you know, like that we sing, you know, praptasya kalyana gunarnavasya, you know, kanaganatvam, that, the, that the, the spiritual master is not giving you his mercy. He's giving you mercy from the vast ocean of mercy that is Krishna, right? So like, this is an interesting thing. I know it's totally off topic, but I've been thinking a lot recently about guru tattva, the idea of guru and understanding what is a guru. And it's, they say that, you know, tattva means truth, right? So Vishnu tattva, understanding who God is. It's like, what? Like, oh my God, I'll never get there. Understanding who I am. I mean, even that, it's like, oh my God, in the vastness of everything, who am I? Jiva tattva. But those two are easier to understand than Guru Tattva, because Guru Tattva is both simultaneously. And one easy way for me to appreciate that is Krishna is this endless, vast ocean of mercy. You know, God, the universe, the divine, whatever framework is comfortable. There's a vast, endless ocean of mercy available at any time. And it's just a question of getting there and getting it. 
So sometimes when I'm in like a mode of like, I have a friend who I'm counseling just because I happen to be in that circumstance. I'm sitting there, some problem comes up and, it, and they're asking me my advice. Like in Nuvrindavan, I had a conversation with a senior devotee, a disciple of Prabhupada, and he just shared something was going on. I'm not qualified to counsel him, but in that moment, I'm playing the role of guru. This is what I realized. I have in that moment, if my head is on straight, in that moment, I've been invited by this senior devotee into this guru tattva mode. And if I can get my head on straight and recognize that Krishna is the vast ocean of mercy, and I just need to bring a bucket and bring it over and sit it down next to us, he'll know what to do with it. I'll know what to do with it. Krishna's mercy is available if I'm humble. And I, I can like come into that lineage of this vast guru tattva. It's just like, so that realization that at any moment, if our heads are on straight, we are available to serve guru, supreme guru, Krishna, our own spiritual masters. And who is saying this to me? I can't remember where I just heard this this week and maybe at the men's retreat in New Vrindavan. How often, how often, um, our acharyas say spiritual masters, plural. That when they speak of their spiritual masters, they're talking about plural. And, and Krishna has Kaviraj pluralizing my spiritual masters. You know, it's not just one, but they're all coming from that same source. That it's, it's one. Uh, you know, guru is Krishna coming through all my spiritual masters. Anyway, sorry to ramble wow. on, but... No, so you're saying that you're talking about how difficult it can be to understand what we call guru tattva, which is which is a combination of Vishnu tattva, which is God, and Jiva tattva, which, which is, is the regular per people, you know. Yeah, and how we can all also serve as guru tattva to to somebody else in some way, and. uh how to see that as really such a responsibility and privilege in service to our guru. And, and to know where it's always coming from, not just for us, but even for our own spiritual masters, that it's always coming from Krishna, mm -hmm. you know, to recognize that that's the first verse. I mean, you know, many of you may be familiar with Guru Vastak. It's sung every morning at every Krishna temple around the world. Samsara dava nalalida loka. This world is like a forest fire blazing with the difficulties. But the spiritual master is like a cloud who somehow or other by grace has started to pour down rain on this forest fire of my life and extinguish the blazing, uncontrollable fire of my life. But where, in the same verse, where does he get that water from? From the ocean, from the source of all grace, which is Krishna. Ah, and to such a spiritual master, I humbly bow myself and offer my respect. So, yeah, it lets us be part of that, you know, the water delivery system for the burning fire, you know. Wow, that's beautiful. So, I have a hard time, you know, we were talking about this yesterday, Gora, with my, my um, kind of default mode of thinking in terms of like black and white. Mm. So sometimes I have a hard time with this concept of Guru Tattva being both God and Jiva. And it can be very confusing when you see like human-like qualities in somebody that you see as like your guru. It's like, right. what? 
Yeah, it's and it does tie with this topic of knowledge, um, revealed knowledge, you know, experience knowledge, descending knowledge, right? All these different things. It is it's funny because when someone has an imbalanced perspective on like marriage or or like romance, they think I just want the perfect person who can just complete me and just like be who they're supposed to be and like this little idealized version of who I want in my life to do the th- you know but anyone who knows has been in a relationship even all three of us are married we know it's like much more like you know like real than that it's like there's ups and downs there's challenges there's um, incredible things that we're grateful for there's these things that we're like oh my god i can't believe we're still dealing with like it's real you know a, a relationship love is real love you know being kind of like the energy that flows from radha and krishna themselves love is a real thing and it's dynamic you know and and when you're in the right mood you can really appreciate that you know you appreciate your partner in all their idiosyncrasies right it's not like a problem it's actually it becomes like a joy you know so i think in our right consciousness we recognize like, oh his guru is like this. Isn't that interesting? And my guru is like this. Isn't that interesting? And her guru is like this. Oh, isn't that, isn't that charming and fascinating? And, you know, it gives us actually different vantage points ultimately to see. Anyway, I'm talking and talking. Veda, you looked like you had something you were going to say. No, oh, no. I'm, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying your, your realizations. <laughs> They're just isations. They're not real. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, sometimes I feel like in spiritual life we read so many books and we just con- continuously consume information and more information and more information. And sometimes we're, we become so good at it that we become such eloquent speakers of this great philosophy. But somehow, even though they're so eloquently speaking, it somehow... Uh, doesn't always manage to penetrate the heart. Mm. It remains some sort of a emotional, intellectual uh, exercise. Mm. And for me, I, I like intellectual stimulation, mm-hmm. but it doesn't go very far. And whenever I speak to you, Gora, you have this deep realizations. I can read stuff, but then I hear you. You, I, I, ha- I get some realized knowledge. So that's the point that I was. I always think about in life. For me, I even mentioned this to Radha. I said, you know, I said for me, you know, I just love when people just share their realizations from their hearts. It's 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 so much more. I feel so much more close to such people, and I feel drawn to such people who have the realizations of actually practicing the principles of bhakti and so much so i almost i almost start to put them on a place i feel like maybe they're just just god is just speaking through them you know because they're just so connected that you know god is just revealing all of this information this realization because it's there in the bhagavatam tene brahma ridaya adikavaye you know krishna is imparting this knowledge to brahma in the heart so, and he is 
the second in the lineage of, of the parampara, of the guru disciplic succession. So this is what I uh, was sharing with Radha, that it's so nice. And every time you share something, I don't even remember once that you have actually told me some something from the Shastra. But yet everything you have told me it's Come on, I just quoted Guru Vastika. I just quoted Guru Vastika. Told me it's straight from the Shastra because it's realized, <laughs> it's digested, it's 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 broken down. So it's very easy for me to uh, to be with you. You know, it's just so nice. So this is what I mean: realized knowledge, so attractive. You know, there's this interesting story that's coming to mind. This is. This is connected with the idea of realized knowledge uh, in an interesting way, in a kind of abstract way, but kind of important way, actually. I heard this story from Dhanadar Swami um, about Akinchana Krishnadas Babaji um, Maharaj. So Akinchana Krishnadas Babaji was a god-brother of Prabhupada, uh, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, the, you know, the one who founded the Krishna movement and brought everything to the West and in the, you know, late 60s, mid to late 60s. So his god brother, like, you know, uh, and, uh, in living in India, he's gotten quite old. And he didn't have one temple that he would go to. He would go to all different temples and sing. He was very expert in singing kirtan and inviting people into this mood of chanting i mean the, the very simple actually but incredibly um uh transformative his kirtans they take you there very quickly you know from the first notes you know like Prabhupada. Prabhupada's kirtans do that too you know chindamani boom you're right there right there's no build-up necessary you're in right from the first note the Kinshina Krishna Aspavaji also, you know. Um, yeah, you know. Right away from the first note, you know. So he, uh, so he, anyway, he would travel different temples. And uh, he got sick and old. His body started getting older and feeble. And he had to go to the hospital. He almost died. And he was recuperating in one ashram with the other monks. And one young monk was told to take care of him and be like his like assistant, this old Baba, who was a kirtan, so famous for kirtan, but such a humble, always traveling. So at one point, this young monk says to him, after serving him for some time, he says, you know, you, you're like a bumblebee. You have no responsibilities. You can just go wherever you want, and we all have to serve you and take care of you. And actually, you're, you know, the rest of us have to work so hard and we worry about the money and bills and finances and organization and cleaning. And you don't have to worry about any of that. You just go around from place to place and you have no responsibilities. And everyone else has to take over all your responsibilities because you don't have any. This young monk was like chastising him like this. And he his response was, 
to this young monk. He said, actually, you're the only one who sees me as I really am. All these other people think that I'm very advanced, but you've seen through my, my, uh, you know, mask and you know my true nature that I'm actually a little bit taking advantage of everybody, you know, in that way. So after being chastised by this young monk, he got better and he moved on to another temple and he started chanting there. And then he went on to another. In other words, he didn't change anything that he was doing. He accepted humbly this kind of like chastisement from this young monk, assimilated it into his heart, but through the filter of his own spiritual realized knowledge, he took what he wanted to take and left the rest behind and took no offense. So basically, he didn't change anything. He kept doing what he was doing because he knew what he was doing was pleasing to Krishna, pleasing to his guru. Um. But he still accepted the chastisement with no ego. Like, you know, it didn't bother him at all. And in fact, he took it in a humble way to say, actually, you're probably seeing my actual nature. And, you know, like this is, you know, thank you for this, you know, reflection of my flaws, you know. But then in practicality, it didn't affect his service because his service was coming from a realized place. So that's, that's what made me think of that, Veda, is that somehow or other, if our head is on right, we can hear that voice, like you're saying, of coming from the divine through any of our friends or our community and know how to take the milk and leave the water, you know? Mm. Rada, what do you think about that? It's pretty prophetic. <laughs> I know. I, I really actually like that story. I like that story because it shows really how connected he is. And how much stability um, he gets from that connection in in a mm. level of stability and like self-knowing that's deeper than we could really experience with mm. any of our attachments here. I mean, even even you have a great relationship with your spouse, you know, you get a lot of stability from that, but not the same level of stability that you're talking about where he really knew where he was and he was connected with that Paramatma and... And so he was able to hear that and not be offended. That's the other thing. Like he wasn't offended because he wasn't making it about him. He wasn't in a right. in a ego mentality. He was right. truly trying to serve God. So when he gets that feedback, it just goes through the filter of okay, I'm trying to serve God, and and he could maybe improve himself a little bit to do that better. Didn't take it personally and uh, continue what he was doing. So it's really beautiful and such a testament to that relationship that we all aspire for i feel you know it's funny i just realized for the first time in telling that story you know the only two people who were there were him and that young monk because kinshina krishnas would never tell anyone that story so the only one who could have possibly shared that story is the young monk himself <laughs> yeah spot on Wow. Which means witnessing that transformed that young monk's life in such a way that he carried the story with him and distributed it to others as an example of the real thing. Yeah. That's really beautiful. Imagine how we would be in our service if <laughs> when we receive feedback 
if we never took it personally, if it wasn't, if we just saw it clearly as like, okay, this, this feedback is designed to help me improve my service to Krishna. Now, what of this feedback helps me do that? And what of this feedback do I not need to, to, to worry about so much? And then in that way, we appreciate the person for giving it to us, even if it's maybe from not a great place. We see that as irrelevant because we're just taking it as how can I improve my service to God? Like how, how much more effective and powerful could our service be if we could approach it like that every day, all the time? Absolutely. When you're telling the story, Gora, my mind was thinking, you know, my mind always is thinking of how incredible uh, the saintly people are that in order to have this realized knowledge, the level of humility that one develops and one cultivates, Mm -hmm. that without that humility, there is no realized knowledge. Mm -hmm. Realized knowledge is is the door to realized knowledge is through this Mm -hmm. practice of real, true spiritual internal humility. And then this realization come deep inside Oh man, humility. It's so important. It's so important. And you know, you know, we were just like, we were talking about how hard it is to understand Guru Tattva. It's also kind of in the same way hard to understand true humility, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, like a lot of people think of humility, like they, they'll use the word in English, at least the word humble means often um, not so good. Right. Uh, he had a humble house, you know, it means like it was a little like run down, you know, um, he offered me, it's like a nice way of saying not so good. Right. It's like, uh, he gave me, you know, a humble lunch. He offered me a humble lunch. You know, it means like it was barely a lunch. Like you can't really call it a lunch, but we're going to call it a lunch for the sake of like niceties or whatever. Right. <laughs> So to understand that humility is like you guys are saying that it's actually like the engine of our spiritual lives. That it's really, what's the word? It's really mysterious, you know, to really understand humility. That's something I think about a lot. Mm. You know, Lord Chaitanya made such a big deal about humility. You know, I, I have this weird lens that I look at the world with sometimes. Mm. I hear people's classes or presentations, what they share. I immediately try to see and hear their realizations. And based on the depthness of their realizations in their individual spiritual practice, it gives me a very clear indicator of the level of humility Mm. they have cultivated throughout their lives. So that's something that I personally use as a tool, like, oh my God. Amazing. This is this is he must have worked so hard mm. in his spiritual path, so much deep, intense sadhana to have been the recipient of such deep spiritual realizations. It's not something that just like pops up, you know. You, you really have to be have the right uh the, the, the spiritual uh, energy, the spiritual uh, mindset 
So that's one what I think sometimes whenever I see, you know, spiritual leaders share their deep spiritual realizations. Hmm. I know I was uh I was reading the Bhagavatam this morning and it was talking about knowledge and this is one thing I just that just like makes me feel so peaceful and content in in spiritual practice is that this concept of knowledge it's not something that like it's something that we have to endeavor for in a sense but it's not something that we get solely from endeavor in fact we get it much more from just our sincerity and our surrender mm-hmm. and our humility mm-hmm. and i love this because i've been such an endeavor my whole life and it's like mm-hmm. it's so much work it's so hard it's so you know and and we think that our material mind thinks like in order to have something good we have to earn it we have to get it we have to but this concept of knowledge you know we really only get it through through devotional service through through our sincerity of heart in that and um i find that like such a relief because sincerity it's like oh okay anybody can be sincere it's just a decision you just but, but you know uh, it's interesting that you bring this up because the other side of it also can be a trap and I've fallen into that trap in my life at times where I think, like, here's a classic, you know, bad application of the idea of sincerity. It's like, what can I really do? I don't really have to try that hard. I mean, really, what's the point? I'm going to get what I'm going to get, you know? So, like, why even, ex- you know, why even exert that much energy in my spiritual life? It's going to be what it's going to be. Like... You know, and that kind of laziness is also not encouraged. You know, we're not encouraged to be spiritually lazy either. Or spiritually over-endeavorers, you know. I think of sincerity as like fusing your inner intention with your outer um, action. So if your inner intention is to cultivate that connection with God and... um and to surrender to God, then then your outer action would be as reflective to that as, as much as possible. So then you, you would be inherently active. You know, and yeah, so I think that's the genuine way. I mean, I'm speaking about my own, I've seen my own failings in life and certain aspects of my spiritual life where I'm maybe not as attentive as I should be. One, one thing that this reminds me of is Prabhupada translating bhakti as devotional service it's a very unique thing that he's given us by translating it in that way you know a lot of people have translated bhagavad-gita in the past and some critical scholars of prabhupada will say that he changed the gita and he calls it as it is he changed the Gita and he calls it as it is. He's making up words that Krishna didn't say. Krishna said bhakti. Bhakti means devotion or whatever. This is how they'll say it, you know. And he's saying devotional service. How can he say it's as it is, you know? But the thing is, so many people, as you read their Gitas, you don't walk away with you don't walk away with an understanding of bhakti as a living practice you come away with it it's like an idea that bhakti is an emotion Mm. 
But Prabhupada's saying it's not an emotion. It's what Radha's saying. He's saying it's activated. It's in expressed through our activities. Yeah. And it's independent of the result so much. It's just our sincere endeavor, which mm-hmm. I think is what I find such a relief. Mm-hmm. Would it be okay to conclude something like this? And what I'm seeing both of you are sharing is that <laughs> this process of this knowledge of realized knowledge is both an ascending and a descending process. Mm-hmm. Because we have to make an effort, and that effort is then opens up the, the, the door to having deep realizations, and that's realizations coming from the divine. So, Goran, what is your take on that? <laughs> my take is I want to take you with me wherever I go. I want to put you in my pocket <laughs> and have a little pocket-sized Veda. Me too. <laughs> Join our um, team, Veda. Know, <laughs> yeah, Veda. You know, I, I, it reminds me of this, right? This is the Mother Yashoda. Because yeah, I don't know when this episode is going to be released, but um, we're coming into the time toward Kartik time, right? Towards the time of the month of Damodar. And, uh, you know, uh, the story of Yashoda, out of her anxiety, Krishna's caused so much trouble. He's like breaking things, knocking things, stealing things. She's got so much work to do. She's a farm, you know, she's like a farm lady. She's got stuff to do. She's churning milk. She's taking care of the cows. She's got to feed the cows, milk the cows. She's got to cook. She's got, you know, it's like so much. And Krishna's just running around breaking things. So she's like, look, Krishna, you have to learn your lesson. I'm tying you up here to this wooden grinding mortar. And you're just going to sit here and think about this. And you're not going anywhere. And she tries, she takes this soft silk rope that she has and she tries to tie krishna up to his little mortar right and krishna's sticking out his belly to try and make it as hard for her to tie as possible you know know, she's like tying up no matter how she calls her friend give me some more rope this rope is not long enough so she ties a knot and she again wraps it around and tries to tie it and it's too short how is it too short? Give me one more rope. She does. It's again. And what, what is the distance? The great saints and poets and mystics and acharyas and gurus, they tell us the distance uh, that the rope was too short was always this, two fingers. No matter how, she couldn't get it more than two fingers. She would retie it and untie it, and it would again, two fingers too short. And uh, those two fingers represent what Veda said. What are those two fingers, Veda, in the story of Yashoda? And baby Krishna. Please, we want to hear from you. I want to hear from you. I want my nectar flowing into my ears. <laughs> people have, people are probably tired of listening to me. So please share with us. No, no, no. Okay, what's the first finger? What does the first finger represent? Effort. Effort. We have to try. That Yashoda was trying and Krishna could see. And she was trying so hard that actually she was becoming a little anxious. And her flowers had started falling from her hair. And her sari started to become a problem. She had to keep tucking it because it's like, you know. And, you know, and that's so Krishna could see. She's trying so hard to do this service of being my mom. And then the second finger. So that's one finger. What was the second finger? Come on. We have another <laughs> to share with us. 
<laughs> I actually forgot. <laughs> oh, this is great. We're here to remind you. This is called <laughs> Sangha. So, so Veda, the second finger is? Gora, you said. The second finger is grace, is that descending grace and descending knowledge. And Krishna says, okay, I'll give it to you. And then she could tie it. We can't do it by ourselves, but we won't get that grace unless there's a, that sincerity that Radha's talking about, unless we're able to actually sincerely ask for that divine intervention, that divine grace. We, we have to cry out from the well, from the bottom of the well of our life, you know, please, Krishna, throw me a ladder, please. You know, Krishna wasn't there when we fell in the well. That was our own business. But now here we are in the well. We got to cry out, please, Krishna, throw me a ladder. <laughs> Gorvani, I have an idea. <laughs> You're probably going to hate it, but I'm going to put you on the spot anyway. Could you play us a couple of verses from the Dhammadarasakam with that guitar behind you? <laughs> Let's see. Do you have time? You have time? Yeah, you? we have time. Um, you know, actually, you reminded me. One of the things we have to work on, I have a, um, a version of Dhammadarasaka that's never been released that I wrote with a friend of mine, this incredibly talented friend of mine. And uh, we got to release it. Damodar. Yeah, definitely. Uh, check out this cool instrument. I know. What is this? This is a pumpkin. Wow. And uh, it's called an egg tara. And uh, it's um, one of the most traditional instruments in India. This is what, like, all the little babajis on the side of the road play because you can make this pretty easily. It's just like a hook and a piece of wire and a little bridge and a pumpkin, you know. And Very the top cool. just looks like this. Yeah. It's like these two pegs. So cool. I love this is such an ancient instrument. And then I've got these little clackers. They're usually too loud for, for Zoom, but uh, I've got these little wooden clackers. I love these things. Aren't they cool, Veda? Never seen one of them. It's funny. <laughs> they call these cartels in Rajasthan. Oh, okay, okay. It's, you know, a kartala, a, a, a beat maker, a rhythm maker, right? Yes. Karatala means, kara means hand, tala means beats. Let's see. Um... Can we have the words up? I have to find the words on my phone. Give me a second, just so I don't make any mistakes. Yeah. I might know them, but I but I also might forget them. No, wrong one. Let's see. Damodara. Astakam. Okay. All right. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> Should I do the traditional melody, Veda, or should we... No, should no, we... no, no, the, the new one. <laughs> the new one, actually, uh, 
Yeah, I'll do this. Is this is one that we grew up with? It's not not so traditional. But can you hear the music a little bit, or are you hearing the ektar? Yeah. yeah. Let's see. I can fix this actually. There's a ba- way to make it even better. Okay, check this out. This should be even better now. To the supreme controller who possesses an eternal form of blissful knowledge, whose glistening earrings swing to and fro, who manifested himself in Gokula, who stole the butter that the gopis kept hanging from the rafters of their storerooms, and who then quickly jumped up and ran in retreat in fear of Mother Yashoda, but was ultimately caught to that supreme lord, Sri Damodar. I offer my humble obeisances. Namami Shwaram Satchit Ananda Rupam Lasat Kundalango Kule Brajamanu. Come on, Veda. Namami Shwaram. No, no, I want to hear you just sing. <laughs> oh, so nice. Veda is such a nice singer. Beautiful. Yashoda biyo luka la davamanu Paramrishnamatyanta todrutya gopya Rudanta muhur netra yogmam rejanta Karamboja yogmena Satankanitram Muhuswatsakampachire kanka kanta Stetagraivam damodaram bhakti badam. Upon seeing the butter churning rod in his mother's hand, he started crying and rubbing his eyes again and again with his two lotus hands. His eyes were filled with fear, his breathing was quick, and as Mother Yashoda bound his belly with ropes, he shivered in fright, and his pearl necklace shook. To that Supreme Lord, Sri Damodar, I offer my humble obeisances. Krishna's such a good actor, huh? He's like the best actor of anybody, you know? He's like putting on this whole giant show, you know? It wasn't me! It wasn't me, Mom! It was the monkeys! I didn't have anything to do with it! I don't know how many verses of this you guys want. I don't know want to. I don't want to keep going, but it's so exciting. <laughs> let's do. Let's do one more. <clears throat> okay, let's do one more. We'll just stick with number three, even though it keeps going deeper. I don't think we can handle any deeper. We'll just go to three. You know. <laughs> but even three talks about how these super excellent pastimes, super excellent pastimes. These okay. If I just said these pastimes of Lord Krishna's babyhood. We would all say, oh, yes. But if I said these excellent pastimes of Krishna's babyhood, oh, oh yeah, they're definitely. But, but this verse says they are super excellent. These super excellent pastimes of Krishna's babyhood drown the inhabitants of Gokula in pools of ecstasy. 
to the devotees who are attracted only to the majestic aspect of God and, you know, the, the, the judge and the creator, Vaikuntha, you know, the great, the great powerful, all powerful Lord. In this place, the Lord reveals, I am conquered and overwhelmed by pure loving devotion. That's all. To that Supreme Lord, Sri Damodar, my obeisance is hundreds and hundreds of times. Iti driksvali labhi ananda kunde swaghosham nimajantam akya payantam Tidriksvali lavir Ananda Kundi Swaghosham Nimajantam Akyapayantam Tadi Eshita Geshu Bhaktar Jitatvam Puna Prematastam Satavriti Vande Namam Ishwaram Satchit Anam Darupam Lasat Kundalam Go Kule Brajamano. Veda, one time you sing the first verse for us. Please, Veda. It's fun. Namamishparamsa. Yeah. yeah. My favorite verse is Rudanta Mahur Netram. <laughs> sing something, sing whichever is your favorite verse. <laughs> Veda, why you got to make trouble? Can't you just stick to the program? <laughs> Someone's making trouble. That's Veda's program is making trouble. <laughs> I guess he is sticking to the program. <laughs> it's like if I was a young monk and old Veda comes into my temple, I would say, Veda, everyone else has, a, has to be, behave themselves. And you, you're just always making trouble. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's uh, how I got here in the first place. <laughs> Laura, you have to give us a new melody, a new melody. One verse with a new melody. It's, uh, uh, let's see, let me try and put it in my mind because, uh, because um, I have this one now in my mind. Let's see. Let's see. Hmm. Namamishwaram Sachidanandalupam Lasat Kundalam Go Kule Brajamanam Yashoda Lukaladhavamanu Param Rishtamatyanta Todrutyagopya It was actually written by a really, really incredibly talented friend of mine from Brisbane in Australia named of Rajadam. And Rajadam did the beats on our Nursing a Kavacha track that's on YouTube if you want to listen to the whole Nursing a Kavacha. 
So he's wow. uh, he's a super talented, amazing musician, filmmaker, and I wish I could collaborate with him more. He's amazing. Anyway. Wow, how's that a way to start your Tuesday? Bast in the love of Mother Yashoda and Mother Yashoda. Shoo. Wonderful. So Rana, if you were to have three takeaways and summarize everything Gora poured out of his heart. Oh wow. How would you be able to do it? Uh, three takeaways. Well, I like I like this this talk about realized knowledge and I like I I think the really biggest takeaway is the ways that we get it, right? Demonstrated so beautifully by by Damarlila, which is through the, the two fingers, the mercy and the effort. So we have to we have to make an endeavor. We have to be sincere in our hearts, and then that sincerity will manifest in an endeavor to grow closer to the Lord. And then the Lord sees that endeavor, and then He just showers the mercy on us. And that is like where then the realized knowledge starts to grow. It's not intelligence. It's not. It's not like oh we're so great or we're so smart. It's just it's just us wanting it and endeavoring for it, and then and then the Lord kind of showering it onto us, and then the realized knowledge sprouts. So that was yeah. I would just add to that one. I would just say effort, yes, sincerity, yes, but with humility. Mm. Big uh, the big. uh, Part of the mix in this process is that that genuine spiritual humility. It's a great, great addition, Veda. Something you really should work on. You know. I'm work, I'm I agree. <laughs> I'm I agree. <laughs> I have visibly failed. Just joking. Just joking. No, no, no. <laughs> Humility also comes from a place, a natural place. You know, it's not a fake thing. So each of our humility, the flavors of each of our humilities may be very different from each other. It's not, it's not one thing. I like, I like that point. You know, I, I have a thing about, um, about playing Kirtan in front of people. I love playing it in front of my deities, but in front of people, I'm like, and I, and one time Raghunath was like really pushing me to do it. So I did it. And down at our Swami says something like, you know, this is another form of humility. Um, sometimes humility is not playing in front of people. Sometimes it's playing in right. front of people. So it's, it's beautiful. It's true. Yeah. It's true. I've had a similar interaction with my spiritual master, with Radhana Swami. You know, where he encouraged me that I was being humble in my own way. You know, that it's not that you have you don't have to do it the way, same way someone else does it. You know. So we're kind yeah. of we're all different. And we're all different, and it's one of the beautiful things. Yeah. About bhakti, I'm so honored to have spent this time with all of you. My my respects and my uh, my gratitude to all of you. Nice to see you all, and and uh, thanks for letting me try and serve you in this way. Thanks for being here, Gora. We so enjoyed having you. It was really such a treat for us. Yeah. Thank you, Veda. Uh, your, his voice 
just like goes straight into your heart and doesn't even enter your ears. Somehow it just like. <laughs> there you go, Linda. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks guys. <laughs>